as the kids go out. Um, I, uh, we had a great meeting here Thursday night. Uh, we had a great service here, and it was, um, <clears throat> it was uh, really just an amazing time. And I'm wondering, should we move our services to Wednesday night or to Thursday night? What is, it's, is it better for people Wednesday nights or Thursday nights? doesn't matter, does it? Okay. Um, I was, we had just a great time in the Word Thursday night, and uh, we were just talking about the cost and the blessing of association. And when we're associated with God's people and we're associated with God's plan, that there's a cost and there's also a great blessing. And one of the things that we touched on was the life of Ruth a little bit. And we mentioned one verse in the book of Ruth, and as we were speaking about it, I was just so inspired by the life of Ruth and her story, and I wanted to, I just really feel led by God to take the next four Sundays and talk about the book of Ruth, the life of Ruth. And so, uh, I like teaching and preaching on Old Testament stories because there's so much, there's so much, so many lessons to it, isn't there? And uh, the book of Ruth has how many chapters? How many, does anybody know how many chapters there are? Four chapters. So it's a great book to teach for four weeks, isn't it? We'll have, um, we'll teach on the book of Ruth next, um, we'll touch on it next Sunday for Father's Day, but we'll also have a Father's Day message. But if you'll turn with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 1, the book of Ruth is that little book that's after the book of Judges, Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. And um, there's a, we don't know who wrote the book of Ruth because the, the author doesn't identify himself. But I believe that Ruth was written by Samuel. Samuel was uh, probably writing about Ruth. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, this book, the book of Ruth, comes right before 1 Samuel. And so... It makes sense that Samuel would have written it. And so we start in verse 1 and of chapter 1. And the story, we're just going to cover chapter 1 today. And the story and the theme of chapter 1 is the bittersweet plan of God. That there are some very sweet, beautiful things in the plan of God for our life. But things happen in people's lives and life can become very bitter. Isn't that correct? And so I'd like to talk about how one young lady, Ruth, she was probably, uh, in her, probably in her 20s, most likely. And we don't know that for sure. And I'm just going to read here, starting in verse 1. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. <clears throat> we know that judges were ruling because... Um, in verse 25 of the chapter before, Judges chapter 21, verse 25, you could probably just look one page earlier and see the last verse of the chapter. It says that in those days, there was no king in Israel. <clears throat> Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's a sad situation, isn't it? When there's no godly leadership in a person's life, then everyone just, we just do what we think is right, right? And that is why... <clears throat> we see the story of Ruth, such a beautiful story, about how in the absence of leadership, Ruth finds her way to God's leadership in her life. And there was a famine in the land, 
in verse 1. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was, in verse 2, Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. Ephraphrodites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Now, what's wrong with this verse here? Let's think about this for a minute. What is wrong with this situation here? The question is, is that why did Elimelech take his family outside of Bethlehem, Judah, and go to a foreign land of Moab, which was a land of just godless people, and had a history of uh, being against Israel and hurting Israel. And this can happen that when a man, a husband, takes her, his family outside of God's geographical will for, his, for, this, for their lives as a family, he can expose his family to so many things that are so detrimental and so hurtful. And verse 2 here right away just shows us that God has a geographical will for a family. That every family has a plan in God's eyes for a geographical location. And this is so important because what happens later is just so sad what happens to this family. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died in verse 3. And she was left with her two sons. Naomi, in verse 4, Naomi was a Jew. She was a believer. Uh, she was a Christian. We know that she was a believer in God, a God-fearer. And in verse 4, and her two sons took wives of the women of Moab. And we know that in the Bible, it says here that, um, you know, that it wasn't um, in Leviticus 26, verses 3 and 4, we know that it was not God's will for the Jews to take wives that were from Gentile nations. They were not to marry... Um, people that were of a foreign land. This is what Esau did. Remember Esau, who was a Jew, who was a Hebrew? He, a son of Abraham, took a son, took a, a wife out of um, a foreign land who was, not a, who was not part of God's people. And here we see another lesson that, that um, God has a specific husband and wife for us. And when we choose out of our own um, wisdom and out of, out of our own understanding, we always err. And, and so Naomi's two sons make the, same, make the same mistake that their father makes, and they go ahead and they marry two women that are from the land of the country of Moab. And we can see this happen very often, that there are generational mistakes in families that go from generation to generation to generation. Your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather and his grandfather and so on and so on. There is a generation of, um, and it's in the Bible called a generational curse or a generational um, pattern of sin. We see it with Abraham. What was, a one of, what was one of Abraham's problems? One of Abraham's problems was lying. And then what happened with his son and his son and, and his other sons? They all made the same mistake. So you and I have in our genetics a, 
uh, a pattern to make certain mistakes. And um, it has been proven on the nutritional level that on a nutritional level and our decision-making can actually impact our DNA. And that affects the kids that we have and et cetera and et cetera. And that is why we read this verse, this curious verse in the Old Testament about how the... Um, how there is this generational curse from generation to generation. And so right now we see a family that is, they are, um, they have, um, they're in quite a situation. They are um, 10 years of childless marriage with Naomi. Both Malin and Chilean, uh, her two sons die. And the two women that they married, which were um, in verse 4, uh, Orpah and the other ones named Ruth, that had lived there for 10 years, after they died, they had no sons. And see how there is the absence of the blessing of God in this situation. Um, now we know that God redeems, this, God redeems this whole situation in the life of Ruth, but I just want to make a point that in Elimelech, takes his family out of Bethlehem, Judah, mistake number one, goes to Moab, which is outside of God's perfect will. And that's why, that's why it's always so important for us to pray and really to seek God's face when we're thinking about moving somewhere because we want to know, if, we want to know that we're in God's perfect will. And so Elimelech moves, moves away outside of God's perfect will, exposes his family to the people of Moab, uh, her two, he dies. His two sons marry uh, two Moab, two Moabitess uh, women, and then they die. And there's only Naomi, Orpah, and Moab, and there's no children, and there's a famine. And sometimes, you know, when things like this happen, um, and we find ourselves in and our family in kind of a dark time we can look at the we can look at god and project on god our tragedy and our trouble and we can interpret who god is through the spectrum of our suffering you know how we wear sunglasses and it affects everything we see correct you know you wear dark sunglasses and everything is darker you wear yellow sunglasses and everything's yellow right that's the way it is with us as a believer. We are wearing a certain spectrum of glasses, and the way the, the kind of uh, viewpoint that we have will affect everything that we see in our life. And this, in this, in this case, Naomi's perception was a very bitter perception. Um, verse five here really sums up the whole situation of her of her suffering. But in verse 6, Naomi gets word that the Lord has visited his people and has given them food. And so she decides to return back to Judah, her home. And the Bible is filled with men and women of God leaving the perfect will of God, and then they find their way back. Uh, Abraham did that many times. Abraham, when he went down to Egypt, left the perfect will of God. But he made his way back, and God began to bless him. And so Naomi here in verse 6 hears that God is blessing um, her land with food. And so she decides to go back, and her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, 
go with, part, go with her part of the way, it seems. But in verses 8 to verse 13, Naomi tries to persuade them to go back home. And there are probably three reasons why uh, the writer of Ruth, or Samuel, the writer of Ruth, uh, devotes so much time from verses 8 to verse 13. Let's read verses 8 to verse 13. And Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go, return each to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. Remind, um, referring to um, her husband and her two sons. And in verse 9, The Lord grant you that you might find rest, each of you in the house of her husband, then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And she said unto her, and they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Now notice this that both of them, Orpah and Ruth, at the beginning say, We will go with you. And Naomi said, Turn away, turn again, my daughters. Uh, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that you may have that you may that they may be your husbands? Verse 12, turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they are grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieves me much for your sakes, for the, land of the, for the hand of the Lord has gone against me. And so Naomi had a type of theology about her relationship with God. She was right about three things. She was right that the hand of the Lord had gone against her family. She was right about that because it had. She had, um, she had experienced the, um, the hand of trouble and difficulty in her family and also in her personal life. Um, she understood that God existed and she understood that God was sovereign and that God had afflicted her, but she had not remembered that in her situation, she was very much like Joseph in Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph was in the same situation, wasn't he? Remember when Joseph was in captivity? He was in a land where he was not known and uh, he had been separated from his family. He was in a foreign place. He had been misunderstood. And those people that were precious to him were no longer connected with him. And she had forgotten the story of Joseph. Naomi forgot that Joseph, though he was in this predicament, uh, was in a place where God was going to turn it all around for good. And Naomi's theology was really wrong in a lot of ways. It was right, but it was wrong. And again, Naomi was interpreting her circumstances in her life as... Um, the way she looked at God. But what has happened here is, is that God wanted to turn these things around. God wanted to do something awesome in Naomi's life. Before we talk about Ruth, I want to talk about Naomi. Naomi was a believer. She was a woman that understood where her home was. She was a person that understood some basics about God. She understood things about the, God, the hand of God. And so, even in Naomi's ignorance, and Naomi as a wife, as in her, um, in her place of being lost, God adds to Naomi Ruth. And you know what? Whenever we are like Naomi in our life, and we get lost in life, and we get a little bit messed up, and 
we lose our compass about which is the God's direction, where our home is, God will always send a Ruth into our life. And Ruth is such a blessing because she had such a uh, understanding of who God was in this sense and where she was going. Orpah and Ruth said, yes, we will go back with you. But later on we see Orpah says, okay, Naomi, you discouraged me and I'm not going to go. And it actually can be this way that you and I are like Ruth. And I actually, you know, I think about Greater Grace Church and I think that our ministry, God really showed this to me one time a few years ago, that our ministry is like the spirit of Ruth. That, you know, we, many of us have been found in some very interesting places, you know, in Moab, in some very bad places God has found us. And God has brought us into a place where we've brought us into a midst of people that were really not our people, but became our people because of the spirit of adoption, because of the grace of God, because of the work of salvation. God has brought us into a ministry where we belong and we, we obtain something that we could have never gotten. And so Ruth is like this. Orpah, and this can happen sometimes. You and I come into the plan of God like Orpah and Ruth. And there's two types of people that get saved today. There are the Orpahs and there's the Ruth. Orpah sees Naomi's situation and says, you know what? I was going to go with you, but it's looking pretty bleak. And you're not really giving me a lot of encouragement, God, to follow you. So I'm just going to probably go in another direction. I'm going to go back to my family. I'm going to go back to what is familiar for me. And what happens to Naomi? We don't read anything ever about her ever again. She, went, she goes back to her home in Moab, probably has a life with her friends and family. But we don't know of anything. We don't see any other miraculous work in her life. Ruth, on the other hand, says these words that are just so beautiful that we read that we read in verse 16. It says this. This is what Ruth says to Naomi. Entreat me not to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will be I, bear, I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also even if death parts me from you. And so Ruth says several things here. Number one, stop discouraging me from following you. And we can say that sometimes to God when discouraging things happen to us. You know, we, have, we may have lost a lot and where we are coming from does not seem to be so amazing. Like when Ruth had the choice in front of her some say that Ruth really sacrificed a lot, but I don't think she really did. I don't think that Ruth really had a lot to go back to. What if, you know, she, didn't, she, had a, she had a land that was in famine. She had no husband. And there was not really much for her to go back for. So Ruth looked at Naomi, even in her sad state of bitterness, as like, you know, even this believer, Naomi, who has such a bitter cup that she's been given in her life, even she has something more amazing than the most prosperous person in the world. And sometimes when you and I look at the, the, the body of Christ or the call of God, and sometimes it can look a little bleak. Sometimes it can look a little bit like, wow, what is going to happen here? There's no husband. There's no future. There's no 401k. There's, no, there's nothing. And what do I have to look for? 
And we just decide at that point, I'm not going to get discouraged at God's, um, at God's seemingly discouraging things that are happening in my life. Remember the Syrophoenician woman who was three times discouraged by Jesus to stop talking to him? Remember, she was a, she was a, she was a Gentile. And Jesus offended her by calling her a dog and said, I cannot give the bread, I cannot give the bread to the dogs. But she was stubborn in her faith. And I like that. And also God likes stubborn faith in Hebrews 11 verse 6. There's something very amazing about stubborn faith, meaning that we don't take no for an answer. And what that may mean is that sometimes when we pray or we find ourselves in circumstances the answer may be a big yes, big green light. Yes, do this. Amen, go for it. The other time it could be no, absolutely not. This is not the will of God. And then God stops us. But then there also can be this other answer. It can be a very discouraging answer. But we have something inside that we know about the nature of God. And we say, that's not going to discourage me. I'm going to move forward and I'm going to follow Naomi. And I'm going to possess something in my life that I couldn't necessarily possess. And she says the following things. Where you go, I will go. Think of that today. Where Naomi goes, Ruth is going to go. And we can say that to God today. Where your Holy Spirit leads us, God, we will go. Amen? We can just say that to God. We can say, God, I don't know what this means, but where your Spirit leads, I will go. That's, a great, that's, a, that's something that all of us should say this morning to God in our hearts. Where you go... I will go. And Naomi, remember Naomi's sad state, miserable state. It doesn't look amazing. And sometimes the plan of God, when we say that, it's like, wow, what am I committing myself to? What am I getting myself into? You know, where God's people go, I'm going to go. Like, okay. But we see something in Naomi, don't we? We see in verse 6 that the Lord is blessing her land. And she's outside of her land. And we say, we say you know what? Naomi's in trouble, but... Her people and her land and her God is where I want to be. And so, so Ruth says, where you go, I will go. And the second thing she says is, where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you live, I will live. Or where you dwell, I will dwell. That's beautiful too, because there's a dwelling place for the people of God. And where is that place? You know, anybody know where that, does anybody know where that dwelling place is for the people of God? Psalm 91, isn't it? It's underneath the wings of God. It's underneath His covering, His care. It's where the, it's where the fowler cannot snare us. It's the protection of God. And where Naomi dwells, Ruth is going to dwell. And you know, when Ruth said this, she had no guarantee. They had no guarantee that they were going to even make it back to Bethlehem, Judah. They had no guarantee. They could have died on the way. And that was Ruth's decision. The third thing that she said is, your people should be my people. And that's amazing. When we, when we make that decision with God, that, you know, God's people are going to be my people. I'm going to hang out with God's people. Proverbs 13, verse 20, I believe it is. If you hang out with the wise, you'll become wise. You know, there's some folks that we know that are in trouble. You know, I got some news this week about someone who was in trouble. And I thought, you know, it's like, it would be so awesome if if that person who's in trouble could just draw near to the fellowship, you know, that could just, because we love them so much. And nobody judges anybody here. This, because all of us are, are probably ten times worse sinners than the person that we're judging, if our hearts ever got exposed. 
And so people should never feel like they're going to get judged in our church because that's not the way we are. We're all sinners saved by grace. And I said this Thursday, the name of our church is Greater Grace. There's a lot of churches out there with the name Grace, you know, Grace Community, Grace Chapel, Grace this, Grace that. But I, th- I, I like the word Greater Grace because I think we need more grace than everybody else. We're like bigger sinners than everybody else, I think. You know, greater grace. Like why? Sometimes people ask me, like, why greater? Are you guys greater than everybody else? No, we're, you know, we're just, we just need more grace than everybody else does in, in James chapter 4. And I just was thinking, you know what? If that person could make God's people their people, they'd be, they'd be okay, you know? If we hang out with the wrong people, then we find ourselves in the land of Moab, like Elimelech did. And we find ourselves without a covering, and we find ourselves in trouble. And then the, the next thing that I think was number four, my people shall be your my your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Isn't that beautiful? And Naomi's theology wasn't so amazing, was it? God's judging me. God's against me. God's hand is against me, and it just does not look good. And I don't have anything to offer you. Naomi says, and my womb is barren, and there's nothing I can give you. And wow. That's a pretty, I mean, that's bottom line right there, isn't it? But you know something Ruth said? It can only get better than this. And Ruth said, your God should be my God. I remember my wife and I were at a Greek restaurant down in Baltimore. And there was this, it's not a fancy Greek restaurant. It was just like a, you know, like a um, little grill. You walk in, there's a couple seats, and there's this older Greek man there. He was on the grill. He never had any co-workers. He just did all the work himself. And I think he was sort of Athens, honey, or Thessaloniki. I don't remember where he was from. But, you know, I, we'd always go there after church. It's kind of like the Franks up here that we'd go to. And we'd go down there, and we, we'd always be dressed up. And I'd, I, at that time, I had a Zodiac's Bible that had all the Greek words and the Greek dictionary and everything in it. And, um, you know, one time we showed him, you know, we showed him the Greek, the Greek dictionary, and, the Greek, and he was reading it, and he, like, he had tears come to his eyes, and he goes, this reminds me of the Bible, the Greek Bible that I grew up with. And we began to minister to him. We began to talk to him. And maybe after two years of just talking to him, investing in him, he said this to me. And he was so dis- dis- disappointed and disillusioned with the Greek Orthodox Church in, in his city because everything that had happened. He said, you know what? He says, I'm gonna, I believe in the God that you believe in. And he never prayed the sinner's prayer and he never came to our church. But I believe at that point... He did. Oh, he did come to our church. Okay, so my wife's correcting me. Well, my, my wife, that's why she's... Everything I say is subject to my wife's editing, though. It's awesome. Um, and so he said, my God, your God will be my God. And you know something? Some people may never ever see God and experience God like you and I do, but they see God in your life and they say, you know what? The God of Don or the God of Eleanor or the God of Clara, that's the God, that's my God. That's the kind of God I want to have. Amen? And people look at you and I and they say, you know, they they hear us say things, you know, and they're like, they're like, uh, uh, I want to believe in that God. And that's what happened with Ruth. And then she says this finally, where you die. Is this number six? Anybody taking notes? Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Wow. And at Thursday night, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. You know what that means? Where does Naomi die? Yes, she dies physically, yes, later on. 
But where does where does the believer die? Where does the believer die daily? The cross. And when we like Ruth, we are like Ruth. You know, we are like Ruth, connecting ourselves with Naomi, following into this radical plan that we have no idea of the future, just a promise. In verse six, that God is feeding people in her land. And we say, where you die, I'm going to die. And that is a beautiful picture of corporate body life. That is meaning that, that you and I, in the midst of the body of Christ, we die daily. And you know something? When you come into our church, when I came into this church, I saw people dying to themselves and living for Christ and dying to their personalities and dying to their perceptions and dying to... But living a supernatural life in God's plan, I thought, you know what? That's where I'm going to die because that's where I want to live, right? I, 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 could see my, I could see leaders in my life or godly men and women in my life and I could see them making decisions in their life that, were, that, that caused pain and that caused circumstances in their life. But they did that and you know what? It was always the result, life. They're always happy. They always had some kind of resurrection life in their in their in their life and that was Ruth's you know when you and I die together in the midst of the body in the in the midst of the, the church at the cross of Jesus Christ in a daily life guess what happens we are connected with with the, with Naomi we're connected with God's plan and we go into a place that we could have never ever imagined now think of this remember this Ruth had a little problem she was a Moabitess if you ever want to have some fun and you have some time, study the history of Moab and Ammon and where they came from, who their, dad, who their ancestors were. It was a pretty messed up family relationship that they came from. It was really a mess. Ammon and Moab, they were just, they were really like dirty people for the Jews. They were just like very, very, they were rejected and they were ugly and they just were not, people that the Jews wanted to hang around with. And here she comes, here Ruth comes with Naomi back to Bethlehem and Judah. And they're on their way. And so Ruth not only makes that decision, but she's also going to die where Naomi dies. I want to just finish up with this um, beautiful picture here that... Let's look at... um, Verse 19. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And when, they, when it came to pass, and when they were come to Bethlehem, and all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? So the whole city comes out to, to welcome Naomi. And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mera. Mera. And does anybody remember what Mera means? It's right there in the verse. Better. Have you ever told people, I am such a, you know, don't call me a happy person, I'm a sad person. You ever do that? And we take on the image of what's going on. We, all of us have done this this week, I'm sure. This week we've done this. We take on ourselves the name of our trial. Oh, don't call me, you know, so-and-so. Call me wretched, uh you know, down and outer. You ever, you ever, how you doing? I'm down and out. It's like, it's like Naomi taking on the, the self-image of her situation. And the believer doesn't do that. 
doesn't have to do that. She said in verse 21, I went out full, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me, me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me? That can happen in our life. That can happen. And you know what? Naomi wasn't wrong. Naomi understood something, that God had dealt with her and had disciplined her family. It's very possible that our family, and I know that most of our families, if not all of us, have gone through the discipline of the Lord, where our whole family is being dealt with by God. But you know something? That didn't end there. Naomi returns. Verse 22, Naomi returns. It says, so Naomi returned. Biggest verses in that chapter, right there. Naomi returns. And I just want to close with this, is that don't ever stay out in the Moab. And I, you know, I don't know who I'm talking to. I, I don't know what's going on in people's lives here. But you know, maybe, we're, maybe I'm talking to people, maybe in our minds we're sometimes in Moab and we're just out there in our minds. Don't stay out there. Return. 1 John 1, nine rebounds. Just bounce back into the plan of God. You know, um, Abraham was outside of the will of God, some commentators say, for 15 years. 15 years outside of fellowship with God. Abraham, father of our faith, right? Friend of God, right? 15 years out of the picture. Wow, that's amazing. How about, Mo- how about Moses? 40 years in the backside of the desert. No communication with God. Ever had a period of time in your life where something happens and you get offended or you get messed up or you just get you just get out in Moab and you're just not talking to God for a while? Well, that happens. But in verse 22, greatest verse in the chapter, Naomi, I keep wanting to say her name in Ukrainian, Naomi uh, returns. She comes back. She returns. And Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of this country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Beautiful end of chapter 1, isn't it? They come back, and what's happening? The beginning of the harvest. You know something? Verse 6, she, Naomi hears, by faith, she hears something that God's blessing her people in the land, and she, she decides to go back. And that translates to the last verse of the chapter. They go back to the beginning of the barley harvest. When you and I are connected with Naomi or the Holy Spirit or God's people that sometimes can be so can be so beaten up by life and circumstances, when we stick to it and don't throw in the towel and get discouraged and and just kiss Naomi and say, "Hey, I'm going to go in the I'm going to go this way. You guys do what you want to do at Bethlehem. I'm going to go back home." If we don't do that, if we stick with if we stick with Naomi and we stick to her, God's plan in our life, there's going to be a harvest and there's going to be a blessing and there's going to be God turning around, God turning the tables. And this is just the beginning of Ruth's amazing story of redemption. Amen? So next week we'll cover, we'll cover chapter 2. And, um, and uh, again, I'll just mention, if you, if you know a dad out there, even if he's not saved, bring him, bring him to... Uh, Bring them to church. Say, hey, you know what? There's going to be a, a Father's Day uh, Sunday at our church. Amen? So let's close in prayer.